Welcome to the True Grit Strength Podcast. I'm Ryan Steck. And I'm Rachel Geiger. We created the True Grit Strength Podcast so that we can share our stories around how strength training changed us for the better and helped us to discover our athletic potential, develop grit, and pursue growth in all aspects of our lives. It's through our stories that we hope to share with you that regardless of where you are or where you've started from, you can build strength and athleticism in all ages and stages of life despite loss, injuries, or setbacks. So how do you make a comeback to the gym when the odds are stacked against you? Tune in to find out. Hey y'all, welcome back. We took a little hiatus, but we're here. We are here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I just want to name, because y'all can't see us, that truly every time we get the microphone out to start recording, both of the pets like wake up from their naps or whatever they're doing and they just like immediately walk into the office and start just just being stuff. just being wild and it's like how do they know like dan is just sitting under the like not even sitting just like standing <laughs> under the desk i don't know yeah. what he's doing there's nothing under there <laughs> and uh so we have two pets we have uh, a dog his name is daniel and then we have our cat named luna and she just like peeked into the door like I'm gonna come in here and and start some stuff yeah so we got a surprise for you guys today we're actually gonna be interviewing the pets <laughs> on their health and nutrition habits Stop. what a dad joke Daniel what do you think <laughs> oh man um anyways all that being said <laughs> welcome back um we missed y'all we missed doing this um, but we took a, a, some time off. Ryan was traveling and just some different things. I was finishing out the school year. It's always kind of a really busy time for me. So Yeah. But I had a couple of people reach out and be like, hey, when's the next podcast? I and know. That, that makes me really happy because that makes me feel like people are paying attention. I know. I Well, to be fair, I had that as well, but it was only my dad. But still, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's sweet. That makes me feel good. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, excited to be back. Yeah. Um, so, so long ago, on our last episode, we were doing a Q&A, and we're actually going to finish the second part of that. So, we had a part one where we went through a few different questions, and now we're back with uh, the second part. So, there's a th- uh, three more questions that we're going to run through um, with y'all today. Yeah, for sure. And then we'll go back next week to our regular content. Yeah. Yeah. And move away from the Q&A stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited. Some of these questions are awesome. They're all awesome. Um, And hopefully this will be helpful for y'all. Yeah, for sure. So we got a question about macros. We got a question about uh, eating a lot of meat. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of extreme diets, I guess. Um, And then some muscle gain questions yes all right cool okay first awesome so let's get started with question number one um how detrimental is it to go over daily macros a bit if the weekly average stays consistent for the most part and then kind of a follow-up to that is like is it bad to go over your target goals a bit as long as your weekly average is staying roughly around the same 
Right. Okay. So for those of you who don't track macros um, and are confused about this question, so like just a really brief reminder. So tracking macros allows us the ability to track uh, the total number of calories that we eat each day, but also the amount in grams that we are eating of protein, carbs, and fat. So typically people who track macros will have targets that they need to hit. For example, like 160 grams of protein, 300 grams of carbs, 60 grams of fat, just throwing random numbers out there. Right. And so like each day you're trying to make sure that the foods that you're eating are, uh, you know, allowing you to hit and stay within those targets. So right. the question is, um, if, uh, if you end up going over on one day, let's say you like go out to eat or something like that and it kind of like wrecks your macros for the day. And let's say if you're, you're supposed to be getting around 60 grams of protein, but for whatever, you know, for that reason, maybe you went way over um, and you had like 80 grams of fat instead of mm, 60, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So you can still, it's still possible to stay within your total calorie goal and just miss the mark on that macro target. Right. Right, like I can still eat whatever, 2,500 calories a day, even if my fats are over, those right. fats are just going to take up more of those calories. But the question is asking, as long as, even if I have a day where I maybe am a little over or a little under, usually the, the goal is to look at your weekly average. And as okay. long as that weekly average is close to that target, you're, you're doing really well. Right. Um, and so basically, I guess the question is asking like, how detrimental is that if, if I am going, if I am way over or way under on, on a day, um, as long as that weekly average is staying consistent. So, um, my opinion on this is that it really depends on what your goals are and how strict you need or want to be. Right. So for example, um, if you have like very, very specific, um, and maybe kind of, uh, aggressive, uh, let's just say fat loss goals, for example, um, you're going to want to try to keep that weekly average like pretty on point. Right. Um, for most people who, who maybe have like a little bit, you know, who obviously care about their goals, but maybe just don't, you know, need something that super strict, which I think is probably like maybe 90% of the people out there, like unless you're some kind of competitive athlete or you're trying to keep your weight in some target to compete in something or like the, you know, athletes and all that specific stuff is probably outside of the realm of this, then those people need more um, you know, they need to be more detailed with it and more on point. But for most people, I think, you know, focusing on that weekly average is great because it allows you a little bit of flexibility. Right. Um, I don't like talking about that because I want people to stay pretty close to the target because I think, you know, you give somebody an inch, they usually take a mile, <laughs> meaning that so if, true. I, if I tell you that you don't have to stay close to those targets, you're going to get to the end of the week and you're going to be looking at that weekly average and it's likely not going to be anywhere close right, to where right, you want it right. to be. And I've done that myself. Same. Um, so I used to do this. So I'll just talk to my personal experience. I used to look at, I used to try, I've been tracking macros for the, for five years, I think maybe six and like for the first three, I would think that I was doing well if I was in within like 20 grams of my macro target. Oh. Yeah, I was real, I was guess looking back compared to what I'm doing now, I was real lax with it. Like yeah. if I was supposed to be eating like 160 grams of protein because that's my body weight and that's what I try to hit every single day, like I would think that I was like doing okay if I was at like 130. Yeah, well, and when I first started my macro counting I only tracked on during the week so my weekly average was always like way skewed 
Yeah. Just because I didn't account for Saturday and Sunday, which was usually the days I would like go super off plan. Right. Um, but two years ago, I started a new nutrition plan, um, and my coach has me just to kind of help me like learn a little bit more about nutrition, but also just help me to keep on track. Like, you know, coaches need coaches too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and his role was that I needed to stay within five grams over or under. Yeah. So, which is, I think is a really good goal because five grams doesn't sound like a lot and it's really not, but just sometimes it makes the difference. Sometimes it makes a huge difference. Um, Um, and it's also very, very difficult to hit it perfectly. Like I would, I would say maybe I hit it like nail on the head, like maybe once a month where I'm like getting it down to the gram. Like that's kind of like a very precise level of control. It takes a lot of practice. So that five under five over rule is still manageable, but still allows you a little bit of flexibility. So I now recommend that to my clients who track macros because I think it's a good rule Yeah, and it does allow you. Um, so I personally shoot for that every single day, but, uh, back to the original question, if I have a day where I go way over on something, yeah, you know, or like, I know, like, for example, last week I was traveling and it was very hard. I got pretty close, but it was very hard for me to stay within those macro targets. Totally, totally. Or, you know, it's like, if you know, you're like going out to dinner one night or whatever, and like, you know, that your fats are going to be way over and your carbs are probably going to be under and maybe you're not hitting protein or whatever, like, you're allowed a little bit of flexibility. I would say like on a seven day cycle, which is, you know, like the weekly average, like that seven day period, you probably are allowed maybe one, maybe two days where you're way off. Mm -hmm. And, but if all the other five days are like within that five over five under target, you're probably still going to hit your average. Right. I guess my question, my follow-up question to that would be, and like, I have a bit of an answer because I can speak from my personal experience, but I'm curious your perspective is like, I used to live by that rule of like really being so strict five days a week and then like giving myself grace two days out of the week. And while like that worked in terms of like me maintaining weight like I never really saw extreme body composition changes until I started tracking consistently every single day of the week yeah no for sure and like and that that's what I'm saying like I do that too like because I have strict body composition goals and I try to do that five under five under rule or five over five under rule pretty much every single day but you know like if we wanted to go out to dinner tonight like that's going to throw sure throw everything off and it's going to be you know it's still possible to hit that 5 under 5 over sure um and and go out to eat if you're like really careful and like you're paying attention to how things are fitting in um but you know if i blow it and then i try to so here's another good rule of thumb with this too if i blow it and i know that there's no way i'm going to be able for whatever reason uh, there's a ton of things that could happen but if i know for whatever reason i'm not going to hit my macros i try my kind of fallback like fail safe plan is to make sure that i still hit calories uh right like you're not like you're not going over on your calories yeah so like that's kind of like the backup plan right so like even if i know we're going out to dinner and i'm going to be like way over my fat content for the day i'm still going to stay within my total calories that way you're not like because in a previous episode we spoke about like calories in calories out and like how really that's the thing that's going to cause um weight gain or like something like that if you're like eating way over your calorie target 
Yeah, and so like again, another good example is I was recently on a trip for the last like five days, and you know I was with a friend, and we were like staying in a hotel, and we had some snacks in the hotel, but we were ordering like pretty much every meal out, uh, which was good. You know, it's like nice to just like be able to relax a little bit, take a break, and it, but instead of just saying like f it and just like throwing all my macros out the window for that five day period, like what I tried to do was still stay within my calorie total just knowing that it was going to be very hard to to nail those macro targets perfectly simply because I didn't have that level of control over what we were eating. Yeah. When you're ordering food out, you don't know how they prepared it. Like you can take your best guess. Right. 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 And so like that's well, that's and it's usually like the fat content of food we order out is usually way over what we think or want to admit that it is right um if you're curious about that literally look up the macros for like any big restaurant thing and you'll be you'll understand what i'm talking about so like (laughs) yeah um so anyway for that five day period i'm like okay my macros are going to be very hard i'm eating a lot of carbs right now because i'm trying to gain muscle and that might sound really fun but when you're traveling it's actually extremely difficult Right. Um, Because you don't have access to a lot of those, like... And you can only eat so much fruit in a day. Right, right. (laughs) Before you just feel sick. Um, You know, so I was, like, drinking a lot of juice and doing things like that to get easy calories in. Anyway, my point is, um, my goal for that five-day period was, like, okay, I'm going to hit my calories every single day, and I'm going to hit protein every single day. Yeah. And my carbs and my fats are probably going to be way off. I also think something helpful that you've shared with me over the last, you know, few years is like there are going to be times in our life when we need to like step away from our our macro counting or our nutrition for whatever reason. There's a whole host of reasons why you might say, you know what, I'm just going to like step aside from that for today. And something helpful that Ryan's always given me is like, it's okay to do that. Like if you have something you know that's coming up that's like you're going to go way off your plan, like just keep it, you know, contained to that one day and then use the days where you know you don't have things going on to like keep it really like tight and strict in terms of like making sure you're hitting exactly what you need to. Um, so like the days when you have all that locus of control, like keep it, hold it. And then, so then the days that you go off plan, it's like not that big of a deal. Right. Because like, for example, again, with my trip, like that would have been a very stressful five day period if the week prior to that, I had also gone way off plan. Right. right? Because now we're talking about two Two weeks, weeks. which is a significant period of time when it comes to falling off a diet. Right. But if we're talking, like, just five days, like, it's not really that big of a deal. Well, and also, you made a conscious choice, like, to say that trip could have been a lot more stressful had you been, like, I have to hit my carbs and my fats and my protein and I got to be perfect. Like, that's where the stress, I think, of of this is – I don't think of macro counting as dieting personally, but, like – that's where the stress of like nutrition I think can come in when you like place these really unrealistic expectations onto yourself that aren't attainable. Right. You know, cause there's so much out of your control. So, um, I don't know if that like specifically answers this question, but that's just like a few tips of like how you can have more flexibility right. and still kind of stay within the realm. Of so your... I think, right. And I think the, the like short answer is like, how detrimental is it? 
if you're hitting your if you're hitting your weekly average, you're doing really well. Right. So like, I guess I just like like I said, you give somebody an inch, they take a mile. Like I would just be very careful. Be careful, right? I would still be. You have that flexibility mm-hmm. of still being able to hit your weekly target. But, you know, I, I would still say it's pretty important for most days of the week for you to be within that five over five under. Yeah. Um, knowing that you might have a couple that are going to be off. Like, yeah, I think totally. like more than two days, like you're going to throw, there's just no way, like you're going to throw your weekly average off. Right. And I know, um, like for me, when I first started with macros, something that was really challenging for me was like, was going off plan and then getting back onto it like that was really difficult for me once I kind of would like fall into like the I'm eating out and I'm like going out and I'm you know socializing and doing all these things I would just like find it really hard to get back into what I was doing before yeah um so like that's just a personal thing to me. Like I know I know Ryan maybe doesn't struggle as much with that, but I do. So it's just something to be conscious of and like get to know yourself personally in terms of like are you able to like totally, you know, 100% go away from your plan and then like bounce right back the next day or is it a little harder for you? These are things that you need to consider and like think about when you're thinking about like stepping away from your macros. So for sure. Okay. Question number two. Yeah. Yeah. I think all that stuff's super relevant because we're in the middle of summer and people are traveling and and like, you know, you're going to barbecues or whatever. It it does make it. Yeah. Ryan and I actually had this conversation the other day, which was like, like it is so hard to like do, it can be really hard to do social things in the summer and then like, you know, go hang out with friends or whatever. And like, focus on food that can be really challenging yeah maybe that's a maybe that's our yeah, next episode that is a good idea <laughs> because I think some people look at it and they're like not to go on a tangent but I think they look at it and they're like oh that's too difficult like I'm just not going to worry about it at all but there are some strategies that you can use to make it so that you can still have a, a good time yeah you can still enjoy yourself and not be stressed out about it but also not just completely trash it and go off the deep end true okay so we have yeah, an idea that's the next episode okay we'll hold it Coming. we won't say anything more so stay tuned Stay tuned. (laughs) Okay. Okay, question number two. I really like this question. Um, What are your feelings about eating a ton of meat? Um, Like, for example, all of the Atkins and keto stuff, which I guess are diets that, like, ask you to eat more meat and less carbs, correct? Yeah. I think, yeah. So... There's a few diets that do this. So there's the carnivore diet where I, like, I don't know a ton about that. Except Paleo? for the fact, I think, well, carnivore diet, it's like you were literally eating nothing else but meat. Oh, like okay. So like else. literally the opposite just, of my diet. Yeah, just literal <laughs> meat, like no okay. carbs, nothing. Wow. Straight meat. Um, I don't think that that's what this person was talking about. Uh, but that is a diet. Um, Atkins is low carb. Okay. Um, and like even like they cut out like even like fruits and stuff like that and i think keto is the same to a little degree it's like high but basically fat. it's like letting you eat calories that are you know higher in fat but because you're cutting out the carbs right so okay cool yeah so diets that ask you to eat like more high higher fat fat content like that's definitely a keto thing right like they like prioritize like calories from fat um because you're reducing calories from carbs okay got it um 
So without going down the rabbit hole of like fad diets, yeah, because like, we've talked about that before. Yes. Um, that could be a whole episode. Um, basically, like any any diet that's asking you to eat like a ton of meat, I don't think is a necessarily a, a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more carnivore diet is stupid. Like I think we can just say <laughs> that right now. Like okay. Um, I don't, I think maybe the, the intention of this question was maybe asking also to, like, is it bad to eat a lot of meat all the time? Mm, okay. And there's a lot of different, like, studies and research out there. Um, I think a lot of times we see things that are more, like, alarmist headlines, mm, usually coming mm-hmm. from, like, magazines and, like, publishers and stuff like that that are just trying to, in books, even authors will publish books, and they're just trying to, like, scare people away from, like, eating an entire food group. Right, right. I would just use your best judgment with that. If somebody is out there, and this goes for anything, because there's tons of doctors, there's tons of people in the medical field, like, there's tons of people who, like, write articles for, like, magazines and stuff like that. Yeah. A lot, I'm not saying that there isn't not any validity to it, but I am just saying to like use common sense. If there's somebody out there that's writing a book, even if they have that like medical background and they're saying, and they're telling you to avoid an entire food group, some red flags should be going off in your head. Meaning you take it with a grain of salt. Maybe if you're interested, you look at it, you read it, you decide if it makes sense for you. You maybe dig into the research a little bit. Like, but I'm just saying like, you should question that. Like that should be something that you, you question and you try to, you try to research and maybe form your own opinions and judgments around. Because if somebody's asking you to eliminate an entire food or an entire food group, I think there's something wrong with it. Do you think, not to put you on the spot, but do you think that that applies to, like, eating vegetarian slash vegan? No. Or is that different? No, I think that's different because, I mean, yes, there are those, like, alarmist, like, vegan documentaries that are going to, like, tell you all this, like, scary stuff about, like, why eating meat is bad. And again, I think the thing that you have to watch out for there is that people will pull pieces of research articles and information to suit their own agenda to then market it to people to mm-hmm, get some mm-hmm. kind of like res- major response like to sell a product exactly too. exactly so here's a so this is why I don't watch this is why I don't watch those food documentaries and here not to go too much on a tangent with this question and we'll pull it back to the meat but I do just want to say that like in my own experience with like for example, cutting out a food group like meat, which I, you know, I haven't eaten meat for 12 years. What I noticed when I stopped eating meat and started eating more of like a vegan vegetarian lifestyle is like I replaced it with just like fake faux processed meats. Right. Right. And like, I remember Ryan and I having this conversation of like, I cut out a whole food group, but then I just like replaced it with like, all of the fake meats that you see out there instead of replacing it with like really healthy, whole, nutritious foods. Right. So then it's like, so I think the the issue with a lot of these like alarmist kind of extreme diets where they're asking you to avoid like a whole food group is that like you're, you're kind of missing, you're missing the mark a little bit because mm-hmm. you're prioritizing like our general health and wellness as human beings should always be priority number one. Our like fitness and body composition and physique goals usually come need to 
come second to that. Sure. Unless you're like some competitive bodybuilder and you're willing to like put, you know, make some changes to your body for a very short period of time and do something super extreme to like win a meet or something like that and then you're going to go back and you're not going to eat like that forever right right but for like the general population like we need to think about like our long-term health and that's my issue with like keto because again you give somebody an inch they take a mile they say oh we can't eat carbs but i'm going to eat a pound of bacon for breakfast and it's like is that oh really right, good right, for your right. long-term health so like you're cutting out sugar but then like what are you replacing it with right bacon? like i just don't understand like why it needs to be so extreme so like the carnivore diet right it's like Eating red meat has been proved, has, you know, been shown to be okay for your health. If all you eat is red meat, is that healthy anymore? Probably not. Well, but, and like, you're why missing, does it have to be, like, you know? Right. You're missing out on, like, we talk about macronutrients all the time, but then you're missing out on, like, your micronutrients. Right. Things that you're going to get, like, your vitamins and all these important things that you, you would maybe get from vegetables, fruits, Well, and, like, in your example where it's, like, okay, I was a vegetarian, but then I just, like, swapped all the regular meat out for, like, fake meat, you know, and now you're just eating, consuming chemicals. an insane amount of chemicals and soy, like, I know that there's, like, eth ethical reasons of why you wouldn't want to eat meat aside if you're just thinking about general health and wellness, like probably not a good swap right right you know what I mean like and so again like I think vegetarian and veganism is a little bit harder because I know that there's a lot of ethical things that people feel that come along with that and those are your values and you stick to that and that's outside the realm of like you it's know, different body than being composition than saying whatever. like I'm cutting out sugar for right. keto or whatever exactly it's a different kind of like there's no you're not not eating sugar for like an ethical purpose exactly right. so Anyway, I'm just saying that, you know, that just, this is just like, you need to proceed with caution um, with any of these kind of what I would call like more extreme diets. Like I would consider keto, um, Atkins, I don't know. I don't really know that much about Atkins. I feel like that's kind of outdated one, well, but. Here's my thing with all these diets and Ryan kind of touched on that, on this is like keto exists as a diet, but then there's also these whole, all these lines of like keto products, Right. Like, so that you get invested in the idea of being keto and then you're buying a product. Right. And I think the issue with marketing food products within that, you know, mindset, I guess, is that like, because I did this, I used to be gluten free. So like, again, that has nothing to do with body composition. It was like a food allergy. Like I was just very sensitive to it for a while. I would get so excited when I would see foods when I would see foods in the grocery store that were mm, gluten-free, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I would be, I would feel, like, obligated to to buy it. Even if it was right. stuff that, like, I would normally eat. Gluten-free mac and cheese, gluten-free cookies, gluten-free whatever. You chips know what I mean? Gluten-free yeah, chips. Crackers. Um, all, by the way, if you compare food labels, way higher in calories than the original, you know, glutinous version. Um, and so I'm just saying, like, we well, yeah, need to be yeah. aware of, like, the marketing that's going on right. behind all of these diets. Because they just slap the label on it. Like, we, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but, like, there's these mug cakes at the grocery store that are, like, you know, you put it in a mug and you put it in the microwave and it's, like, a cake. And, like, on the label it says, like, keto mug cake. So that if you're keto, like, you can now eat this mug cake. Right. And, like somehow that's marketing it to say that like this is healthy mm -hmm. and it's like it's still a mug cake y'all 
And like, it still had a lot of, I think there was still like It was 80 something. grams of carbs or something like that. I don't think it was 80, but there were still a lot of carbs in it for it to be keto. It was a lot. And it was like, how is this keto? Right. And so this is what I'm saying. Like, we can go on a tangent about this for a long time, but I'm just saying that, like, proceed with caution with any, any diet style Mm-hmm. that is asking you to eliminate a whole food group and ask yourself the question. I'm sure that there are people out there who do the carnivore diet, who do Atkins, who do keto, who um, can still do that in a healthy way. Sure. I'm and saying, it works for them. And it works for them. And that and that's perfect. So I'm not condemning these things. I'm just saying like when you're research doing your own research which you should do and you're like reading about these different diets and you're trying to decide which one is right for you and which one is a good fit proceed with caution if if you are reading a book that the doctor is telling you to avoid an entire food group ask yourself it everything comes with um there's always going to be a trade-off mm-hmm. right so everything every single thing comes with a trade-off so you just need to ask yourself if i'm going to do keto or if i'm going to go do carnivore or whatever um, is the trade-off for me going to be worth it? Yeah. Knowing that I'm neglecting all this other stuff. Well, and I also just want to point out that, you know, this question's asking, like, what are your feelings around eating a ton of meat? And I think the where this question is coming from is, like, if I start eating a ton of meat, like, am I going to see the results that I'm after? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if I implement this new diet into my life will I then see the results that I'm after Ryan and I talk a lot about how people are always kind of looking for like a solution you know it's always like okay well if I just cut out sugar like well will I finally you know get the results I want if I just start eating all this meat like will I get the results I want and the short answer to that is like no Like, maybe for a time, but, like, is that sustainable? And I think what Ryan and I love about eating macros or, like, you know, thinking about our macros is, like, it's helping you to craft a diet that actually is sustainable and, like, is something that you can do that's not just, like, oh, well, I'm eating, I eat all this meat, you know, for the rest of my life. Yeah. Which, like, are you going to be able to do that 30 years from now? Right. But if you think about, like, something like macros, for example, are Ryan and I going to be able to track macros and, like, eat within our balanced goals for 30 more years? Yeah. For sure. Easily. And to take it back to the original question about meat, because I do think that there are, you know, things that I see out in the media and stuff that maybe shines a bad light on like me causing a lot of like long-term health problems i don't think that there's enough research out there to say for sure one way or the other um but i i attach that to eating a high protein diet which everybody should do yes if you're a vegan or vegetarian and you need to get more protein in obviously there are alternative ways of doing that it's going to be a little bit harder but it's definitely possible. possible Um, but I think, you know, when I recommend that clients eat a high protein diet, if that person does eat meat, I'm fine with it because we're not sitting here like chewing on chicken breast all day. You know what I mean? Like, and there, again, there's no real good research to back up. I mean, if you watch, you know, whatever that vegan documentary is, I'm sure they're going to tell you otherwise, but this is where it's kind of up to you as the consumer, quote unquote, to do your own kind of digging and research and decide with, you know, 
an open mind to decide like what is best for you but there's nothing wrong with like eating enough meat to hit your protein targets every single day and like the better you get at hitting those protein diet uh targets like the more you'll realize that you don't actually have to rely on meat as much yeah for example like i only eat meat for lunch and dinner that's it so twice a day Right. Um, and if I'm eating, like, higher protein meats, like chicken, I really don't need to eat that much of it. Right. Right? But, like, I can get away with, like, eating a vegetarian breakfast because most breakfast foods outside of breakfast meats, like, yeah. you know, whatever, are right. vegetarian technically. Um, and then getting away with doing shakes and stuff to, sure. to supplement the rest. So it's like, you don't, just because somebody's telling you to eat a high-protein diet doesn't mean you got to, like, bring Tupperwares of, like, steak with you everywhere. Right, y'all. Like... I mean, I haven't eaten meat for 12 years, and I I hit my protein goals all the time. Yeah. So. So just proceed with caution. Proceed with an open mind. Do your own research. Figure out, again, there's no, there's nothing about one diet that makes it better or more effective than the other one. Right, um, It just right. depends on your personal style and what is going to work best for you. Yeah, the last thing I'll say too is like, I think when it comes to nutrition for me, like, I always say that like, tapping into how you feel is the best thing that you can do. So like, for example, like, you know, you could hit your macro targets eating like red meat and donuts, right? You could potentially do that. Um, You could potentially meet your keto targets by like, you know, putting butter in your coffee. Like I know people do that. Um, and not eat fruit, but, like, do you feel good? Right. You like, know, like, do, does your body feel sustained and healthy? Do you have energy? Like, are you feeling more irritable? Are you feeling, like, grounded? Like, it's really important to maybe, you know, you want to try eating more meat. Okay, but, like, how do you feel when you do that? Right. Like, hook into that feeling. For me, that's the thing that, like, changed nutrition and eating for me was when I started tapping into, like, how I actually feel by the foods that I'm eating. And that's what made me realize like, oh, when I eat, you know, whole foods that are like real and not processed, like I feel so much better. Right. Like I just, my anxiety's lower. Like I have more energy. I feel more grounded. Like that for me changed the way that I ate. Yeah. So, you know, do that. Hook in, hook in to how you feel. Right, exactly. And like I said before, like our long-term health and wellness should be the top priority. And typically, if you're doing things that are leading you down that path, your body composition is going to kind of take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, of course, there are different yeah. things that we can do with like macros and things like that to target fat loss or muscle gain a little bit, you know, more carefully. But in the grand scheme of things, right, it's like the healthier choices that we make, like, uh, everything else will kind of start to fall fall in line. Yeah, for sure. So you don't need to do anything in extreme to, to be able to do that. Balance is key. For sure. All right, y'all. Question number three. Um, in your opinion, what is the best exercise for quad development and why? We were just talking about this this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a spiral out because I like... <sighs> oh, man. It's been a week, y'all. <sighs> but... <laughs> Well, I've always, like, I've always had super skinny legs. Yeah. Just, like, twigs on my body. So, like, this has always been, and and also, too, if you've heard the podcast before, you've talked about, heard me talk about, like, my back problems and stuff like that. Sure. Um, So, a huge part of me uh, getting over my twig legs and also (laughs) curing my back pain has been focusing a lot on 
leg development and glute development in yeah. terms of gaining muscle mass and those and strength, obviously in those areas. So um, I do have some experience with this one. And also I'm in kind of a, a bad place because I sprained my ankle a couple weeks ago playing softball, which like pisses me off, but whatever. Um, and I haven't been able to really train my legs that much. Yeah. I did like leg extensions and like that was it. Um, so it's been a couple weeks since I've like squatted or done any kind of single leg work. And I was like trying on shorts yesterday and I'm like, what in the world has happened to my legs? <laughs> they like already look so different. And I don't know if it's like in my head. I think it's in your head a little okay, bit. Okay, you admitted that they look different. I did not. <laughs> yes, I didn't. you did. No, it was the way you were standing, I swear. <laughs> um, no, because I think that you would make the argument as a coach that, like, you're not going to lose that much muscle that quickly. Yeah, I know. So, like, I do think sometimes when we look at our bodies and we already have a point that we're, like, a little insecure about, if we haven't done the work on that part, like, we might even see it a little bit more. I'm yeah. not saying it's not real and that you're not, you know, your feelings about your legs are valid. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So I want to grow my I want to grow my quads. What is the best exercise for quad development? So this is kind of a tricky question and I think the real, you know, short answer is that I personally feel like I'm sure there are people out there who would disagree with me. Um, but I personally feel like there isn't really one because it depends on the person. Right. I think it depends on how tall you are. I think it depends on what your body type looks like. Like, are you short and stout? Are you tall and stick thin? Like, what's your, you know, like, what's your current, like, body composition like? Um, what are you good at? You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like, what strength level are you starting at? Right, like, where, what kind of fitness level are you? Also, too, like, do you have any injuries? So, like, you know, you've heard me talk about this before. Like, I didn't, I only started back squatting, like, two years ago Mm -hmm. because I had, it, like, just, like, made my back pain flare up all the time. So, I didn't, I didn't squat or deadlift. So, like, my legs were pretty underdeveloped because I was spending time doing more low-key exercises, like, hit bridges and working on RDLs and like some single leg stuff, but it was all very, you know, kind of low weight sort of, because I was like trying to work, build that foundation and work up and, you know, kind of correct a lot of the stuff that I had going on with my back. Um, so I think there's, there's not really like one answer. Like if you do this, your quads will be huge. Yes. Right. We're not going to speak in extremes like that. We already know that. Right. So I really do think it depends on the person and their abilities. Um, now outside of that, um, I feel like you need to, for, if you are somebody out there who is looking to build their quads specifically, I think the best thing that you can do is to find an exercise that you can do well, Mm -hmm. meaning that like the technical aspect of that exercise is not going to limit your ability to load it. Right. Um, So again, using myself as an example, there was a long time where like I could squat, even when I started back squatting, where I can squat, but because my technical abilities were not up to par just yet, I wasn't able to load that movement heavy enough to, co- to cause muscle growth, any Got significant it. muscle Got growth. It. Right, right. So in, for me in that stage, the best exercise for my quad development was going to be anything on a single leg. 
So right, because lunges, you could load that. Right. Re- yeah. Rear foot elevated split squats, regular split squats, leg extension, Oof. leg press, anything that would take the techni- lower the technical aspect of the lift and allow me to load it super heavy without risk of injury or, you know, messing myself up. Right, right. Um, so for me personally, the best way for me to have grown my quads up to today has been anything on a single leg that I can just like load the shit out of. Oh, oops. That I can just like load up. (laughs) And so for example, like, and so sometimes like, um, there's always going to be when you're looking at, I personally feel like when you're looking at targeting a specific, a specific muscle group, some exercises are always going to have some kind of like limiting factor. So like, even if you're looking at like a single leg exercise, um, for example, like lunges, there's going to be a point on lunges where your grip probably becomes gives out. A That's what happens factor. to me. Yeah. Right. Um, and this is again, de- really dependent on the person and your strength level. Right? right. But if I've got 50 pound dumbbells in each hand, I'm lucky if I can get to 12 reps before my, you just drop my <laughs> grip gives out before, yeah, before my legs, your legs do. right? you know, or if I'm back squatting and my, you know, I have clients who can back squat really well, but maybe their upper back strength is going to be a limiting factor or front squats are a really good exercise for quad development, but most people's front rack shoulder position is going to give out before their legs do. Yeah. That's me because I, my legs have always been just very strong. Like that's just how my my legs are right but like my you know I've really had to train my like upper back and you know things like that to be able to like actually lift as much as I my legs will my legs will allow me to lift way more than my upper back will right so important caveat with this is that doesn't mean that you stop doing those exercises that have those limiting factors so like if I'm trying to grow, grow my legs like I am right now I'm still back squatting I'm still front I'm still front squatting like I'm still lunging and doing things on a single leg, right? Like I'm still doing all of those things that might have, might be limiting my ability to, to go, to load it super heavy. I'm still working on those movements, but I'm also probably going to add in stuff that requires less stability and allows me to target that, um, ex- ta- target that quad in a way that, you know, I don't have to worry about those other things. So yeah. for example, like single leg, leg extension, maybe I'm doing like for a while I was doing rear foot elevated split squats, Ooh. but I was holding on to the rack. Yeah. So I had a safety bar squat thing resting on my shoulders, but I'm holding on to the rack kind of like a Hatfield squat. So like my balance is no longer a limiting factor and I can just like load that super heavy. Yeah. Right. So, or, you know, if you're, this is us getting creative in a home gym, but if you're in a regular like Lobo gym, like leg press, like single yes. leg leg press, right. Where you're kind of removing all of the other stability factors and you can just load it, load it, load it. I right. So leg press, yeah. I personally think it's going to be not just one uh, exercise, but a combination of all the volume that you're doing for, for legs. But just for, like, a general person, would you say single leg is going to be the best option? Yes. Okay. But you still got to you still gotta find some kind of squat variation that you can do, some kind of... Because, you know, like, there will get to a point where you can squat heavy for leg development, mm-hmm. right? And so you still need to be working on those exercise, those, like, key foundational exercises. Like, you still need to be working on a deadlift variation. You still need to be working on a, on a squat variation. And, like, while you're working on that, 
definitely your single leg work is going to help your quad development, but it's also going to help boost your strength numbers in the squat and the deadlift. So that's my take on it. Um, you know, like for most of my like general population clients who probably aren't even doing stuff with barbells, yeah, that same process doesn't really change that much because we're still, you know, probably doing a goblet squat. Mm-hmm. We're still doing like dumbbell, like RDLs, right? you know, but if I really want them to gain muscle in their legs, we're definitely loading up anything on a single leg. Got it. Single leg is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. All right, y'all. Well, um, those are our three questions. And uh, hopefully this was helpful and you were able to take away something um, something from this to take into your own training or your nutrition or just general wellness. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you guys ever want to submit a question, I know yeah. we, kind of, we kind of promote Q&As like maybe once a but month or every so But also just submit often. them. You can submit them anytime. You can DM yeah. me on Instagram. You can send me an email. It's ryan at truegritstrength.com. Um, you can send us emails, like whatever you want. Yeah, I feel like I really love getting questions because I think I've mentioned this before. Um, I always know what we're thinking about because we talk about this stuff all the time, but I'm always so curious to know what other people are thinking about and like what's coming up for them. So I really, really love when we get questions. Yeah, for sure. And we don't have to wait to the next Q&A to answer it. Yeah, we could just drop them in an episode if, if we get a good one. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, so I guess we'll be back next week. Yeah, talking about... What was it? Oh, no, we're going to have to go back. <laughs> Um, oh, oh, like eating, eating balanced in the summer, balancing with like social events social events, and yeah. vacations and yeah. things yeah. like that. Yeah, I'm, I have a lot to say about this topic. Same. Especially because last year we didn't really, we kind of got to put a pause on like social stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so now we're getting Now back we're right into back it. into it and we're like, oh man, this is, right. how do you do this? Right. <laughs> how do you have friends and eat? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right, y'all. Well, I hope you have a great week. It is so good to be back. I really miss doing this. Um, and we'll be back next week with a really good episode. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye y'all. Bye.